from deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been uh, a week. Other people have pointed this out. But I don't claim originality on that point. It's been a week since that thing happened at the Academy Awards. It may or may not. This program is going out before the Grammys, but uh, the thing may be um, maybe exceeded in, um, ooh, look at that, quality by something that happens at the Grammys. But one tends to doubt it. Again, it's not that often that somebody gets up and strikes somebody else at a na- live nationally televised award show. And, um, you know, people have been taking sides. There are some people who are in support of the slapper, or as I call him, slappy. And uh, some who who take the side of uh, the recipient of the slap. And a lot of people have have, um, piped up with theories about why it happened, what um, what Slappy had been going through or had gone through earlier. Um, dubious whether their takes are authoritative or not. But in the search for what I like to call too much effing perspective, I think one can do no better than uh, do like the police do and consult some fresh prints. This time I really done did it. This time I really done did it. Done, 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 did it. One punch that's all it took. So for those who diss me, don't deny it. What? You're sorry? <laughs> don't even try it. And all I can say to myself is, damn, this boy is smooth. Damn, I was a bad boy. Smooth. Bad. This time I really done did it. Done, 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 done did it. Don't even try it. Horse's mouth, babe. Hello, welcome to the show.
talking Let time done pass and gone Somebody gotta make a move even if it's wrong You look so surprised Now how can this be? From New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of Le Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen... I just want to say one word to you. What is it? Just one word. Yeah. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. We all listen. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. Me too. Uh, But not enough said yet. Dateline Izumisano in... Osaka Prefecture, that would be Japan, for your listening pleasure. The skyrocketing, oh, this this was inevitable, ladies and gentlemen. You could see this coming 
about 20 feet away. What have we been using, those of us who uh, consider ourselves good citizens, what have we been using for the last couple of years and throwing away? Face masks. The skyrocketing use of face masks has exacerbated the immediate and long-term threat of plastic waste to life in the oceans. Well, it's kill us or kill them, isn't it? It's from the Asahi Shimbun. Many non-woven fabric, urethane, and other available face masks are made from plastics. Your polypropylene, your poly, poly, polyurethane. Your probably can't pronounce itself. These and other synthetic fibers can take centuries to decompose. We don't got centuries in the natural environment. Well, we don't have those either. One environmental group estimated that more than 1.5 billion face masks entered the oceans in the year when the pandemic started. For those of you who don't remember, it's 2020. We didn't have 2020 vision. That's the, that would be the, see the thing. Um, but oh wait, there's more. Officials of the Kanagawa Coastal Environmental Foundation said the victims, uh, sorry, the volume of face masks drifting ashore has increased since the onset of the pan pandemic. For 30 years, the foundation has been cleaning a stretch of coastline uh, southwest of Tokyo. So uh, they've been keeping track. Face masks were previously only spotted sporadically in winter, but they've been seen all the year round, including in summer since the pandemic began, according to one foundation official. The growing mask pollution problem is also evident in western Japan. In late, late May of last year, I guess, an Asahi Shimbun reporter saw white face masks washed ashore along with littered plastic bottles and plastic bags in Osaka Prefecture. Some of the masks were in tatters, possibly from, from continued exposure to waves. Others on the shore appeared brand new. Some were made of non-woven fabric. Others were made of urethane. In just a 30-minute stroll on part of the shore, six face masks were spotted. Oceans Asia, a marine conservation group based in Hong Kong, not for long, estimated late last year that 1.56 billion untreated face masks entered oceans in 2020. That figure was based on market research data, uh-oh, which said 52 billion face masks were produced globally in 2020, and on estimates by the United Nations and other parties that about 3% of plastic litter was entering oceans. A single face mask, in case you're wondering, face mask weighs 3 to 4 grams, so that between 4,600 and 6,200 tons of additional marine litter in one year, according to uh, Oceans Asia. Face mask trash... No, I'm not talking about people here. I'm talking about the actual product. Face mask trash has already compromised the lives of wild creatures. A Brazilian marine conservation group said in a report last September that a face mask had been found in the stomach of a penguin that was washed ashore in the state of Sao Paulo. 
Face mask in the stomach of a penguin, ladies and gentlemen. Britain's Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals said a gull was found immobilized by the ear straps of a face mask tangled around its legs. Babe, I know the feeling. Not legs, but ears, but you know. And was rescued last July. Plastic face masks can drift for long periods in the ocean. They'll gradually break down through exposure to waves and winds and turn into microplastics. This breakdown process can take about 450 years. And then you got microplastics. The environmental problems will continue because those are difficult to collect and are eaten by oceanic life, which mistakes them for plankton. Maybe we should uh, figure out a way to put a giant, well, no, not a giant, like a miniature red pea on plankton so they can tell the difference. The microplastics can then be passed up food chains, including to humans. Ocean's Asia officials are concerned that masks will worsen the problem of marine plastic litters. They're calling on the public to responsibly dispose of used face masks, such as by using garbage boxes. That's a Japanese term. I don't know what it means. Except, you know, it's a good thing to call somebody. They're also calling for public sector intervention, such as toughened crackdowns on littering and promotion of the development of face masks made of sustainable materials. Another argument we can have about face masks. They're opening the door to so much, aren't they? Well, they close the door to some, too. Just one word. Microplastics. So, ladies and gentlemen, one of the more interesting stories of the week concerns um, the former guy, the a previous occupant of the White House, the previous occupant, the uh, P.O. Um, story broken by Bob Woodward and his ex-partner at the Washington Post, Bob Costa, now over at CBS, yet they're still sharing bylines. How does that happen? Um, the story was concerning January 6th of 2021, a day in which some stuff happened at the Capitol in Washington. It now turns out, according to their report, that there was a seven-hour-plus gap in the uh, running account of presidential phone conversations. This happens usually kind of automatically. There's a process, as our Canadian friends would say, in which uh, a lot of the activities of the president, any president, are passed on to people who record those activities. The conversations and d documents go into the National Archives. And there's a presidential diarist, do you know that, who um, takes notes based on what's passed along by the White House. Well, that flow of information pretty completely stopped for seven hours on January 6th, during the time of day when um, the rioters were gathering at the, at the Capitol. And um, the diarist has been quoted as saying that, the, you know, and, and other White House officials have uh, told the January 6th committee in the House that um, 
They just felt iced out. I believe that's a quote of the uh, information, if it exists. The president, the, sorry, the former president, is uh, notoriously addicted to the phone as well as the TV. He was previously reported as, as sitting in the uh, dining room of the White House watching the uh, melee at the Capitol on his TV, but we we're supposed to believe that he didn't have any phone conversations with anybody during those seven hours. Well, uh, with apologies to Bob Costa and Bob Woodward, I'm going to break some news right here on this program, right here, right now. We're in receipt of tapes of um, two or three of those calls the president made during that time, ladies and gentlemen. And you're going to hear the first one of them right now. This is the vice president. Mike, Mike, I'm trying one more time. Mr. President, I'm being taken to an undisclosed location right now. Where? I don't know. They didn't disclose it to me either. Mike, this is really is your last chance to stop this before it can't be stopped. But, but think of it. No vice president has ever had this kind of power before. Why wouldn't you want to use it? You got elected to not use your power? That makes sense like New York Times editorial. Sir, I've, I've talked to every constitutional lawyer. You know what constitutional lawyers are, Mike? We're going through this door. Okay. They're frustrated non-Supreme Court justices. That's all they are. <laughs> they get lucky. They change their tune faster than Liza Minnelli. You ever seen her live? Uh, no, sir. Normally we uh, spend our evenings in prayer circles, but uh, now the lights just... Mike, Mike, you know where the vice presidents end up in the history books? In the friggin' index. This is your chance to get into the front of the book. Don't cock it up. Uh, uh, sir, I only heard about half of that. We're losing... Schmuck, stay where the signal is. It's a fine line between faith and delusion. Confusion reigns. Nothing stays the same. We constantly change. Isn't it strange? Why do we change? And it's a fine line between falling and flying. Try out your fledgling wings. First time you hit the ground. the whole damn thing but you'll get up again in time you know it's a fine fine line I'm riding this down hoping one 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've got the ultra modern neck. No getting oil from the deepest crack. So give the boys just a bit of slack and say a hearty what the frack. We're still driving towards the abyss, says a Germany based anti gas and fracking campaigner. This after the U.S. and the E.U. announced a gas deal to reduce the European Union's dependence on Russian energy. This is from the German medium Deutsche Welle. Deutsche Welle, everybody. An extra 15 billion, billion cubic meters. That's 63 trillion cubic feet of liquefied natural gas sourced largely from fracking wells in the United States will now land on Europe's shores this year. There's only one third of the gas that Germany alone piped in from Russia. But activists fear that substituting Russian gas with uh, liquefied natural gas from the fracking fields will not only fail to ensure energy security, it will threaten longer-term climate goals. It's all coming together in a kind of a mess, isn't it? the mass and the thing. This agreement puts the EU and the U.S. on a misguided and dangerous path by fast-tracking, not fracking, but fast-tracking new infrastructure to import fossil gas into Europe, says uh, the campaign leader at the environmental non-governmental organization Global Witness. Tom, you want to try that? No, he's nodding. He's shaking his head. No. Building new import terminals would mean locking in fossil gas imports for years to come, says the campaign leader, Murray Worthy, long after the EU needs to quit this climate-wrecking fuel for good. He's against the fossil thing. Concerns are also growing about the immediate climate impacts of LNG fracked from shale deposits deep under the ground. Though fracking is banned across much of Europe because of its environmental impact, including the use of chemicals that contaminate groundwater, really? The EU has been happy to source fracked gas from the United States. Well, our, our water can be contaminated, I guess, if Europe wants. For campaigners to rush to ramp up freedom gas, that's what we're calling it, I guess, has severe climate implications because of LNG's high methane emissions. Noting that methane's global heating impacts are about eight, five times higher than CO2 over a two-decade period, Little had been done to tackle the diverse sources of supply-side methane leaks on both sides of the Atlantic. The U.S. 
EU agreement announced this week was careful to couple the goal of diversifying gas supplies with, quote, climate objectives, unquote. The deal aims to reduce the greenhouse gas intensity of all new LNG infrastructure and associated pipelines, including through using clean energy to power on-site operations, reducing methane leakage, and building clean and renewable hydrogen-ready infrastructure, unquote. Yet, if Russian gas is just simply going to be replaced in the short to medium term, that means natural gas is likely to retain its mantle as the second largest source of CO2 emissions in Europe after coal. So, you know, you can try. A a 2019 study attributed a decade of growth in global atmospheric methane emissions to the fracking boom in the United States. It concluded shale gas production in North America may be responsible for over half of all the increased emissions from fossil fuels globally in the previous decade. Researchers from the U.S.-based Natural Resources Defense Council have concluded that U.S. attempts to ramp up liquefied natural gas production and exports could uh, screw up any chance of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. That's the goal established by the uh, Paris thing from a few years back. They They describe the rapidly expanding export of liquefied natural gas as a bridge to the clean energy transition. Gas emissions are about 50% lower than coal. But that will lock in fossil fuel dependence, marking, making the transition to actual low-carbon and no-carbon energy even more difficult. Unquote. The climate impact of liquefied natural gas, you might imagine, will double when extraction, transport, liquefaction, and regasification are added to the greenhouse gas emissions of gas burning. That's what the researchers from the Natural Resources Defense Council say. The 130 to 213 million metric tons of new greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. generated by a tripling of exports between 2020 and 2030 will be like putting up to 45 million more fossil fuel-powered cars on the road annually. It will also reverse the 1% annual greenhouse gas decline achieved in the past decade. Did you know we did that? I didn't. We were doing so well until we just noticed it. A A German economy minister has been in Qatar and the UAE trying to find more gas alternatives. Analysts say limited supply and soaring global global demand make it difficult to massively increase that LNG flow to Europe. And, more to the point, necessary infrastructure, like terminals, through which the gas would have to be shipped, would take two to three years to construct. That would make the European Union's goal of cutting Russian gas imports by two-thirds by year's end unlikely. That's the uh, good news, ladies and gentlemen. And there is no bad news. And um, now, 
I promised you exclusives. You heard one of them already on this broadcast. One of the phone conversations that the former guy had on January 6th, 2021. And now, here's another one. This is the speaker. Nancy. Mr. President. Oh, call me, Don. Like you did that a lot during my first year. I like that. Made me feel that you like me, right? Mr. President, I've got battering rams or some kind of rams just outside. Nancy, I know we had to fight a lot. I'm a Republican. You're a Democrat. That's all over now. It's a MAGA world. Come work for me. Sir, call off your rioters. As Speaker of the House, I demand See, that... that's the tough Nancy that I admire. Really? Oh, lots of guys get scared by women like that. Me, I want them on my team. You know, I had a very tough woman running my uh, construction side of my hotel business. Sir, they're breaking the windows. I'm sure that's a crime. 17 years she worked for me. Tough as nails. Quit like a dog. But in the MAGA world that's being born right now, I'd love to have you on my side. And from your perspective, it would help keep you out of jail. I can make that happen with a click of a pen. Damn bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you noticed, but this week was a kind of a landmark for another reason. The House of Representatives, half of Congress, passed a bill that would legalize marijuana in the United States. What have they been smoking? Seriously, they now it's that that bill goes to the Senate where it doesn't face all that great uh, set of prospects this year. But half of the American Congress has now voted to legalize marijuana. Let's drink to that. This is a risky proposition A little taste might pave the way It has been known to save the day One little taste might be okay It's a sedation Good for a sticky situation Why not spare myself a little pain It wouldn't hurt A shirt. Who said self-denial's all that great? Wasn't me, cause I found it often pays to dissipate. One little taste could make a whole lot of difference.
nose Maybe it will ease the bite It never ends One taste Could help me make it through the night Good evening, friends Why let good intentions get my goat Bring me down When I know A great potential antidote One little taste could change my whole disposition A little taste might break the ice And make the nasty seem like nice One little taste just once or twice It's an enhancer One little taste could be the answer And so it shouldn't be a total waste Waiter, I think I'll have a little taste Put it on her tab Now news of our friend the Atom. Well, what's happening in Chernobyl, you might be asking, right about now? Um, a few days ago, the Russians left Chernobyl. Before that, some of the workers at the plant were permitted to go home after they'd spent nearly 600 hours consecutively working without a break. And at gunpoint, in some of them, they um, were replaced by employee volunteers that gives me kind of the shivers. The um, IAEA's director general called the move a positive, although long overdue development. <clears throat> Power went out at Chernobyl for a little while as uh, Russian armed forces knocked the plant off the energy grid. Again, that irony of the nuclear plant has to be connected to the energy grid for the cooling thing to happen. Anyway, now the Russian troops have handed back control of the site to Ukrainian staff, says the director general of the IAEA. Both he and the Ukrainian regulators had warned for several weeks that Russian military occupation had degraded the security and safety of the decommissioned nuclear plant. The uh, Ukrainian state energy company Energoatom <laughs> alleged on Telegram that Russian troops had withdrawn hastily because they had experienced radiation sickness from digging trenches in contaminated ground. Just another benefit of being a conscript in the Russian army. The uh, head of the IAEA says he has no explanation for why the troops left. So uh, control of Chernobyl has gone back to Ukrainian personnel. Rush, um, scientific monitors detected a local increase in radiation levels when the Russian troops took over. That was put down or attributed to Russian tanks 
disturbing contaminated dust. That's a, a problem that may have been repeated as the troops left. Since then, scientists who've been working at the site have been able to unaccess, unable to access their labs and staff at the plant were held for several weeks without being able to rest or rotate shifts, escorting a new scientist. The uh, IAEA has already begun delivering essential equipment and would send staff to sites across Ukraine coming up. They said it had been proven laborious to establish facts over recent weeks. There's a lot of work to be done in Chernobyl, said the head of the IAEA. There are, according to uh, Peter Martin at the University of Bristol in England, there are radioactive materials buried in the areas surrounding Chernobyl that could cause illness if troops dug trenches near them and spent several weeks in the area. If someone said, I'm digging trenches next to some of these kind of disposal sites, I wouldn't be surprised if you had some cases of radio, radiation sickness coming on, he says. So you're probably looking at starting to get nausea, loss of white blood cell count, things like that. But you're unlikely to get burns, unquote. So don't, don't worry about Russian soldiers getting burns. Another uh, British scientist says the risk of serious illness is minimal, only if soldiers dug at the precise location that the radioactive material was buried. The real risk for exposed soldiers, in my view, says Bruno Mark at the University of Liverpool. They got a university? The cancer risk due to inhalation of mobilized radioactive material from contaminated soil being dispersed. This effect we would maybe see in 10 years. So stick around. The IAEA has no information about these uh, reports that nuclear material has gone missing from Chernobyl. That was reported this week by Ukraine's Institute for Safety Problems of Nuclear Power Plants. Well, that's sort of a non-euphemistic term for an agency. But he, the head of the IAEA, says his staff in Ukraine would be working to fix various radiation monitors that had gone offline since the invasion and seek to verify the location and safety of any nuclear material. Now, now that feels better, doesn't it? Meanwhile, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, made a new push for nuclear power. He's going to actually do it this week in a uh, new energy policy statement. But the $172 billion challenge of properly disposing of enormous quantities of radioactive waste generated by the previous British atomic energy program remains unanswered, according to Nature World News. The costly and deadly legacy of the UK's nuclear revolution in the 20th century is 700... I'm not, I'm not going to do the cubic thing. About... Well, I'm not going to do the meter thing. About 25 million cubic feet of toxic waste, nearly the volume of 6,000 double-decker buses. There's a British comparison for you. According to the Office for Nuclear Regulation in Britain, much of it is kept at a nuclear plant at, uh, called Sellafield, one of the world's most complicated and dangerous nuclear power plants. I think they... They have the plaque right up on the wall. 
There's currently no safe and permanent disposal option for this waste. A deep geological disposal facility, your GDF, was proposed about 50 years ago. The U.K. is still decades away from constructing one. According to some experts, additional nuclear plants would further exacerbate the dilemma of what to do with the waste. As per the Nuclear Decommissioning Authority, your NDA, spent fuel from future nuclear reactors will be at such high temperatures it will need to be kept on site, of the plant that is, for 140 years before being transferred to a GDF, assuming one is ever built. The um, assumption being made in England is that the Prime Minister's nuclear ambitions are advanced modular reactors, which are even more sophisticated nuclear reactors, and uh, possibly smaller. Uh, Some specialists in the field claim no one understands how to deal with their waste because such reactors are a novel technology. When thinking about building new nuclear power plants, it's critical to talk about the back end of the nuclear fuel cycle. You pardon the expression. That's according to Clyde Corkill, a professor of nuclear material degradation at the University of Sheffield and a member of the Committee on Radioactive Waste Management. He continues, while we have a strategy to properly and safely dispose of the waste, it's unclear how this will be applied to the government's plans to build contemporary nuclear reactors. They're considerably different from the existing ones. They're still learning how to deal with the waste. She believes no new nuclear reactor should be built until a geological disposal site is available. According to the current figures, the cost of decommissioning and disposing radioactive waste from nuclear power plants built in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 90s, has climbed to $172 billion. I got that on me. This is anticipated to climb much more when the cost of constructing a deep geological disposal site approaches $69 billion. Attempts to build such an underground nuclear waste disposal site have so far failed a proposal to build one in Cumbria in England. Cumbria, sorry, was rejected nine years ago. A new attempt to locate such a site is in its infancy. Might take years for construction to begin. The GDF would only be able to accept trash in the late uh, 2040s. They are talking about a 12-mile subterranean footprint at a depth of 650 to 3,000 feet. So in terms of future nuclear sites, says the uh, scientist, we must consider whether it's conceivable to construct a GDF large enough to accommodate both historic and new nuclear waste. If a GDF is created, it will take until 2150 just to deposit the legacy waste into it. Says an energy policy expert at the University of Greenwich, despite 65 years of utilizing nuclear power in Britain, we're still at best decades away from having facilities to dispose of the waste securely. That's Steve Thomas. It's premature to begin on a significant new nuclear power plant development until we know this can be done. 
a volume of radioactive waste that must be permanently disposed of in the UK is 2.7 million cubic feet as of a couple of years ago. All sounds good to me. And a new report on safety inspections at the Diablo, Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant in San Luis Obispo County in California is out now. It found that Diablo Canyon is currently operating safely, but it identified failures by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission's inspectors. The failures were appropriately identifying several issues at the facility. That's from the Office of the Inspector General for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. They conducted an investigation and released a report. They began the investigation after the plant's auxiliary feed water system failed and led to an eight-day shutdown of one of the nuclear reactors a couple of years ago. The uh, auxiliary feed water system is a backup water supply that can be used to cool the reactor if normal feed water is out of service. The inspectors failed to identify piping insulation on the system that had long been in a degraded condition and that led to a leak. Clean. Safe. Too cheap to meter, I would say, our friend Adam. And now, ladies and gentlemen, one more piece of, um, I guess we could call it breaking news, one of the tapes of conversations that former President Trump had on the morning or the afternoon of January 6th of last year. McConnell. Mitch, it's the president. Mr. President, I'm, I'm stuck in the Senate chamber. What do you think, I'm not watching? I, I know you are, Mitch. I can't do much to help you right now. This thing is just beginning. But I wanted to talk to you about uh, what happens next. Sir, what should happen next is that those folks should turn around and go home. Not going to happen, Mitch. The MAGA thing is just too big to turn around. The good news is that's a good thing. Listen to me. You're not going to be minority leader anymore. <laughs> Mr. President, I was just legally elected. Mitch, to... Mitch, my lovely many-chinned man. You've just been elected to stay as majority leader by MAGA vote. That's the brand new thing. We need to talk about our new agenda. I'll, I'll talk about anything you want, sir, as soon as we're free to... No Democrats in the Senate, Mitch. You're running the show. So, what do we want? I'm writing up the new State of the Union speech right now. Here's what I got so far. Open up all federal land to drilling. All drilling? Whatever kind of drilling you got. Mm. We shouldn't be limiting what kind of drilling people do. That's Democrat thinking, right? Uh, sounds like they're battering down the doors to the... Senate chamber, sir. So, what else am I declaring? <coughs> My guy's got more than one thing. You're big on the whole policy thing. What's the next thing? Something big, a very big thing. They're, they're evacuating us from the chamber, sir. Call me back from the safe room.
And now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be, said 50-year-old Will Smith. I would like to apologize to the Williams family and my King Richard family. I deeply regret my behavior has stained what has been an otherwise gorgeous journey for all of us. I'm a work in progress, unquote Will Smith. Victims of historical institutional abuse in Northern Ireland have been told they were failed by the state during a long-awaited public apology at the location of the Northern Ireland Parliament, Stormont. Survivors watched in the assembly chamber as a minute's silence was held before five ministers representing each of the main Stormont parties offered their apology. On behalf of the government, they were also delivered by representatives from the six institutions that ran facilities where abuse took place, Religious Orders de la Salle, Sisters of Nazareth, Sisters of St. Louis, the Good Shepherd Sisters, as well as Bernardo's and the Irish Church Missions. Public apology was recommended in a final report of the Historical Institutional Abuse Inquiry, which was published more than five years ago. The Commissioner for Victims and Survivors of Institutional Childhood Abuse, Fiona Ryan, said... We're talking about the systemic abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and neglect of children for decades in residential institutions in Northern Ireland. For this abuse to succeed on this scale requires not only individual abusers and institutions to perpetrate the abuse, but failed oversight and accountability on the part of public authorities, unquote. I guess they did a bad thing. Nicola Sturgeon, the uh, First Minister of Scotland, has issued a posthumous apology to the thousands of people persecuted as witches in Scotland, underlining that the deep misogyny that motivated the colossal injustice is something women today still have to deal with. She responded to a petition demanding a pardon for the more than 4,000 people in Scotland, mostly women, who were accused, convicted, and often executed under the Witchcraft Act of 15. 63. She said, she told the Scottish Parliament she was acknowledging that egregious historic injustice and extending a posthumous apology to all those who were so vilified. Pope Francis, Francis the Talking Pope, made a historic apology this week to indigenous peoples for the deplorable abuses they suffered in Canada's church-run residential schools and said he hoped to visit Canada in late July, when it's warm, to deliver the apology in person to survivors of the Catholic Church's, quote, misguided missionary zeal, unquote. He begged forgiveness during an audience with dozens of members of Inuit, Meti, and First Nations communities. They came to Rome seeking a papal apology and a commitment for the Catholic Church to repair the damage. That's a heap of apologizing right there, ladies and gentlemen. The Apologies of the Week. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Program returns next week at the same time over these same radio stations and on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. And it would be just like... Will Smith losing his Oscar. If you'd agree, join with me then, will you? Alrighty, thank you very much, uh huh. A tip of the Le Show Chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, right here in New Orleans, and to Garrett Pittman, right here at WWNO in New Orleans, for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, your chance, to, yeah, email. What do you mean? We still, we still use it, don't we? I know. I, I, I use uh, email to uh, put funds in my crypto account. That's how modern I am. Uh, the email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. And the playlist of the music heard here on, all available to you at harryshearer.com. And um, speaking of Harry Shearer, I'm told I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. That is a nutty coincidence. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.